What we do here is go back, 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 back. You are listening to the It's Not About You podcast by Felicia Baird. This is a lifestyle podcast where we talk all things business, self-love, spirituality, and how people are giving back to the communities around them and building them up all at the same time. Each week, we have real, raw, honest conversations with inspiring people who are doing really cool things, expanding us, growing us, and making us realize we're pretty friggin' amazing. And we have everything inside of us that we need to do really cool things too. I'm your host, Felicia Baird. Are you ready? Let's do this. Hey, everyone. Welcome to 2019. I say that like it's like my year, like I'm allowing people to be in and out of that year, but... It is my first podcast for 2019. It's the first It's Not About You podcast. So I thought I'd kick it off with my really great friend, Maya. She is a holistic health coach here in Toronto, and she is also a nutrition expert. I think I'm getting that right. She does say her title in the podcast, I'm the worst. So you're really going to love her though. She just really knows her stuff about supplements and the food that you're putting into your body. And she's so smart. And so I thought I'd have her on the podcast because she built her whole entire business on that, but then also around the fact that she, you know, has recently opened up about her having anxiety and suffering from depression and just being really, really low in life. And she turned to food to help her deal with that. And she, sorry, when I say that she turned to food in a good way. So she is a strong believer that what you put in your body helps with helping the mind. And it is so true. And I couldn't agree more, but she's so much smarter when it comes to talking about that kind of stuff. Like, I'm just like, yeah, eat good food. Brain is happy. I am happy. She has like all of the information that goes along with that. So I think that you're really going to love her. She's super sweet, known her for years. And she is one of the smartest people that I know. So enjoy that. I have been sick for most of 2019 so far. I mean, we're only a weekend, but I go so hard with not getting sick. And whenever I feel like a cough coming on, or if I feel like the sniffles coming on, I am taking oil of oregano or just like making sure that that shit doesn't hit my lungs. Because once it hits my lungs, I am out and I can't work out. If I'm pausing randomly, it's because I'm coughing and I'm probably editing it out. Uh, once it hits my lungs, like I'm I'm down for the count. Like I can't do anything. That's when I become a huge baby. Like give me sore throat, that's fine. Give me sniffles, that's fine. I can even take the headache. But once it goes to my lungs, that means that I am like bound to my bed and I can't, you know, do more than I want to. So of course I woke up one morning and it went to my lungs. Guys, I didn't even get a warning. There was no sniffles involved. There's no headache involved. It just went right to my friggin' lungs. And I was so irritated. I had, like, I couldn't even do anything to stop it. I just had to ride it out. So New Year's was a little bit lame for me. I had a really lovely dinner with my friends. That wasn't the lame part. But I was, like, so jacked up on cold uh, medication and, like, cough syrup and all of the things that by 12.10, I swear to God, when the ball dropped, like I was out. I'm like, hey, bye, I'm going to bed. And I drove all the way home and went to sleep. So just gonna talk about 
the fact that I thought that these holidays were going to be super depressing because this is my first Christmas, you know, son's breakup. And um, I thought that like all of the lonely feels would have kicked in, like in terms of me not having anyone to celebrate Christmas with and like watching all these people get engaged on social media, you know, the feeling and you're just like, well, crap. I was so avoidant towards the holidays. Like I didn't put any decorations up. Like I think that I was subconsciously avoiding it. Like I was like, why doesn't it feel like Christmas this year? Oh, it's because I'm probably doing everything in my power to make sure I don't feel all of the lonely Christmas feels. But the weird thing happened. I did not feel that. I was, I had a great holiday with my family. It felt so amazing to go there on like the 22nd and then not leave until the 31st. And it was like, I had the best time with friends. I had the best time with my family. I truly, truly, truly enjoyed my vacation. So the idea of me having to go on New Year's, uh, the idea of all of that wasn't sitting well in my head. So, I mean, it's kind of a blessing in disguise that I got sick. It it, it sounds weird that I said that, but um, I really didn't mind coming home on New Year's Eve all by myself, just loading up on cough medication and like cold medication and falling asleep and sleeping all day on January 1st. So that was my New Year's. I feel like that was super long-winded, but that is a glimpse into my life. Um, And of course, I'm sure I'm not the only person that like was had all of these goals to work out in 2019. And, you know, I'm going to wake up early. I'm going to go to the gym. And then my cold really got me down with that. So I've been doing that. And that's probably why I sound super hyper right now, because I went to the gym this morning. It's nine o'clock in the morning. I have to go to work, but I'm, I think I had too much pre-workout mix and I'm just really happy. I'm happy to be back into my, like recording this podcast for you guys. And I, I don't know. I feel like it's going to be a really good year. We're starting it off with really good vibes. Um, I have all of these goals that I want to accomplish, which I will tell you about throughout the year. I want to do more solo podcasts for you guys. And all of the things that I want to accomplish are things that are a little bit way outside my realm. So that means I don't really hang out with people that are doing these things. So I really had to look for expanders. And I spoke about that in one of my podcasts where you look for people that are living the life that you want to live or, you know, are doing the things that you want to do. So in this case, I want to make an app and I want to speak to schools. So I had to really open up my network and reach out to people to ask them if they'd go for like coffee dates and stuff with me just so I can keep learning. So that's the point, right? So even though your circle might not have everything that you need in terms of like all of the things you want to accomplish. You have to find someone that is living a life that you want, that had a similar background, that like someone that you can look at and be like, okay, they're doing that. I can totally do that. And pick their brain. People love when you pick their brain. I've realized that like every time that I approach someone, I don't think I've ever gotten a no. So it's always worked out in my benefit. So if you're thinking of starting something and you have this idea that you have no clue where to start, I encourage you to just literally start looking for people that are doing the thing that you want to do. Even if they are so successful at it, that's a good thing. Um, Follow them and then message them and ask if you could pick their brain, take them for coffee if you can, or a virtual coffee date. I have many of those just like over Zoom or Skype. So 
that is my rant for today, for the first go of 2019. I feel like it was a good rant. Um, You know, you're already learning so much about my feelings and how hyper I am right now. So I hope that you guys enjoy this podcast with Maya. She's amazing. And um, let me know if you have any questions. And at the end, she gives her plug about where to find her. So be sure to check her out. I hope you guys all have an amazing day and I will see you guys next week. Love you guys. Bye. All about. <laughs> yeah. Did I, I, I got it all? <laughs> I think you got it all. I think, um, yeah, it's the, the holistic focus. So it's, I basically do a full body approach. So, you know, we can talk about diet and nutrition and fitness, but um, I also like to look, you know, what's going on inside. So mindset. You know, mental wellness as well. That's all really important to someone's healing journey and, and how they're feeling or, or not feeling. And um, yeah, it's not just so it's not just so top level. It's always a bit on a bit deeper on the inside as well as to what's going on. So mm-hmm. that's kind of the that's how I like to focus and work with my clients. Yeah, well, that covers like basically everything. So when someone's coming to you, they're getting a full, you know, revamp of their life, basically. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes. A revamp. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, uh, you know, I generally, I, I try to be a little more specific with my clients that I do take on too. Um, I generally, right now, anyways, I'm working with clients that are coming to me initially for things like anxiety and stress management and mental health in general. And then from there, we're able to obviously work on diet changes and supplements and um, do all that mindset work as well. And um, so yeah, there's a lot for sure that we look at, um, like I said, full body. Um, but I do definitely like to like sort of narrow in on the specific people just cause I'm not, you know, I'm not a personal trainer either. So I can't really help people with, <laughs> with their fitness. I need help with that. So yeah. <laughs> yeah. How do I grow my butt? Oh <laughs> uh, yeah. I really, I'm trying to figure that out. Trust me. <laughs> oh goodness. It would be great. I went to um, a class last night with my friend and it was so friggin' hard and all of it was <laughs> like your glutes. And I was like, I can't oh, do yeah. this. And my abs like, oh, so not strong. <laughs> well, I mean, uh, you know, if you keep doing it, <laughs> then maybe you'll have rock hard abs and a really big like Kardashian butt would be perfect. Yeah. The dream. <laughs> <laughs> the dream. Oh yeah. No, I don't know. I don't know how I would find clothes to fit my, to fit my booty if that was that big, but. I know it, it's, it's unattainable, I think, or like just think so. unrealistic. <laughs> I think so. I think so. Yeah. Unrealistic maybe seems like the right word for this, but <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. Um, so how long have you been doing this and what made you, I mean, you've always been passionate about it. Hmm. Yes. Well, I've been passionate about nutrition and health definitely for a while. I, I was passionate about it when I was a lot younger, really going back to childhood. But I think as many of us do, Sometimes you sort of you sort of step away from maybe some of those passions or you don't really understand them when you get to like high school and university. And especially when it comes to like healthy eating and nutrition, I wasn't eating healthy during those years, especially in university, right? You're just living off of like sugar and caffeine pretty much during those yeah, years. Freshman 15. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, for me, it was like terrible skin and like so many stomach issues from that particularly. So it got me, it got me eventually, but um, yeah, it's always been there. And then I kind of didn't really come back to it and, until really a couple of years ago when I was like, oh shit, this is actually what I do love. Cause I'm always 
trying to like help people figure out what to eat for their lunch. And uh, I kind of figured it out when I was working at sort of my last, one of my last corporate jobs in travel. Um, my team of sales reps were always asking me like, what to make for lunch? Like, what should we pack for our lunch? What can we meal prep? And I would always help them. And I was like, you should eat all this quinoa. And anyways, so that's <laughs> sort of uh, soon after that, probably like a, a couple months after that to a year, that's when I finally was like, oh, wait a minute. It's been smacking me in the face for quite a while. And I understand why I wasn't feeling um, as thrilled about the industry I was working in. Not that I don't love travel, I do, but it just wasn't obviously my like purpose, my my deep, deep down purpose, right? So mm-hmm. um, in terms of, you know, getting to where I am now, it's, I started out really in network marketing. Well, with you, Felicia, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, yeah. we did supplements uh, for a couple of years anyways. And that definitely helped spark my interest again in nutrition and health. That was huge, huge for me in realizing, oh, that I needed to get back into it. Um, and then really with my actual business and coaching people, I kind of started to like run an Instagram and post, you know, recipes for free every day, really. And just post what I was eating just to kind of inspire people. But I didn't really have like an end game behind it. I wasn't necessarily thinking like business and actually helping people one-on-one. It was just posting what was going on in my life essentially. And then it was really more like just over a year ago is when I actually truly was like, committed. (laughs) The keyword here is committed um, Mm -hmm. to running a business. And I had an actual idea of my purpose and my niche, which was a big one. Um, You know, before that, I was sort of trying to run a business and maybe coach people, but I didn't know what I was coaching people on. Like healthy eating is just really broad, right? Um, But I needed Mm -hmm. to sort of narrow it down for me to feel, um, to feel out who I wanted to work with. And for me to feel motivated and confident and, and like I was actually fulfilling my purpose as well. So I'd say about a year or so is sort of how I've actually been like in business and working with people one-on-one and doing group coaching as well. And then, um, as of last week, started doing some online workshops too. So it's really blossomed. (laughs) Me too blossom. Yes. That's, that's where it came from, you know? Yeah. (laughs) No, I'm pretty sure I came up with that name out of nowhere, but now it makes more sense. So (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> no, and I remember when you switched over from Maya to be to Blossom because it online businesses really are a commitment. And like they're like people just think that, oh, they're just posting willy-nilly whenever they want. Mm-hmm. It's like, no, you have to plan your posts out. You have to make sure that your content is um, you know, driven and hitting the eyes that you want it to hit. And that yeah. stuff's not easy and it takes time and it really is a commitment. So when you start focusing on treating it like that, like when you wake up in the morning and you're going to a job from nine to five, if you're sitting at your computer and you're treating your online business like such, then, then it's going to grow. Exactly. Nope. It's so true. You've got it right. That's for sure. So it's, yeah, you really have to kind of be ready for it in a way and decide. I feel like that's the big part is making that decision. But until you've made that like clear decision and commitment, then it's probably not, necessarily going to flourish in the way that you hope anyways. So it's important to do that, I think. Yeah, for sure. Um, so tell us about your online workshops. And yes, you've recently started coming out about um, mental health, which is, you know, what I'm passionate about mm-hmm. and, um, and ha- your struggles with it and, and how you've incorporated, you know, wellness into making you feel better. Um, so why don't you talk a little bit about that? 
Yeah, for sure. So, um, well, I'll, I'll come back to the workshop because that'll lead into, I'll lead into it with what I'm about to say, but, um, yeah, so with mental wellness, mental health, um, so it all kind of stems back to myself. Um, and I didn't just pull it out of a hat and decide to start talking about it, even though I've, I've always been kind of passionate about it as well. But, uh, for myself, um, I started talking about anxiety because it's been something that I have had and been working through since I was eight years old, which probably seems like a very young age. And it's like weird to think about, you know, little children having anxiety. But um, I feel like at the time when I was eight, it wasn't so talked about, obviously, maybe even a little more unheard of. But now there's tons of kids that are are suffering from anxiety. And it's really interesting um, to see that and some of the reasons why. But um, now I've started talking a bit more about my process and what it was like going through anxiety. I had chronic anxiety, so it was very consistent. I would have times where I would feel extremely anxious for days on end and I wouldn't be able to like get out of it. Basically, I wouldn't be able to feel what you might call normal, you know, functioning. Um, Mm -hmm. And I say normal just because I wasn't able to to really function. Like there was days where I would be able to leave the house. Um, I would have that feeling, it's like a heavy feeling almost in your, like all the way up to my throat where I just like could barely even speak sometimes. And it was just, it felt so heavy on me. And then from there, because obviously my nerves were all out of whack too, my whole system, my stomach, everything, it was really hard for me to eat. So um, I went through a lot of this and I guess going back to me being eight years old and realizing I have anxiety, like how did I realize that? Well, um, anxiety sort of it kind of runs, I guess, in my family. I mean, no one really talks about it, but my mom specifically, obviously the person that was around me the most growing up, she, um, around that time was going through a lot of, um, anxiety, depression, as well as insomnia, all of which are very interconnected. Um, Mm -hmm. and so I kind of was aware of what it was. And, um, she, one time during the week, um, she thought she was essentially having a heart attack and, Short, long story short, it was a panic attack. But if anyone's ever experienced a panic attack or even just like an anxiety attack, you might call it too. It, it can honestly, if you have all of the symptoms, it can honestly feel like you are having um, a complete heart attack. So we obviously went to emergency and I spent pretty much the night there, you know, wondering what's going on. Um, you know, finally we got the, got the news about that. And it really wasn't too long after that I started to notice myself um, experiencing these feelings of anxiousness. Um, in the morning before school, I would feel, I would have like butterflies on crack. I feel like in my stomach, like it was, or butterflies on speed. Maybe that's the right word. Like they were just like fluttering in my stomach to another level. Um, and I felt like I was going to puke every morning and I would just have again, that like feeling in my chest and my throat where I was just so worked up, but I didn't even know why at that time. Cause I liked school. So it wasn't, and I didn't wasn't and have a fear of like leaving my parents or leaving the house either. So a lot of these things mm-hmm. I didn't really understand, but those are sort of the first memories I have, you could say, of feeling anxious and having true anxiety. And it, me as a kid, I probably didn't realize, but I've always been very intuitive. So I didn't think that it was necessary for me to really discuss this or address this with my parents or tell them really because I was very worried about them being worried about me to another level. I mean, they were already dealing with their own stuff with my mom's health and 
you know, they ran their own business and all of that kind of stuff. Right. So mm-hmm. I just kind of kept it to myself my entire childhood, really, and even into my teens without really saying anything. And I kind of learned not necessarily to manage it, but just kind of to like deal with it almost at the time. Um, to do, wow. just kind of figure out certain things that I could do um, at that time to really just push it aside. I wasn't, I obviously had no idea how to work through it. So you were like, weren't giving any symptoms then? Like your parents couldn't tell. I mean, that's the thing. Anxiety can be so invisible. Yeah, exactly. The only thing my mom knew was the morning thing. Um, Because sometimes she would send me out, literally I would eat my breakfast like in the middle of the winter outside on our back patio. (laughs) Um, (laughs) So that was the only sort of thing she knew about because I wouldn't want to eat sometimes because I would feel so like worked up. So that was really it. But I was experiencing it at other times during the day as well. Um, or during other moments, like if we were out to dinner and uh, something was discussed, I don't know, something might set me off, like discussion about someone that is very ill or uh, it could be anything really. There were so many weird things at that age that was setting me off. And I wouldn't say anything at that point. Like I would just kind of maybe go a bit quiet. And I think my mom says now that maybe she noticed some of these things, but obviously kids, you know, kids do all different kinds of things too. And I guess it's obviously hard and people are busy and it's hard to always like judge what's going on. Right. Um, so yeah, it was very interesting. And like I said, I just kind of kept it to myself and I didn't really tell, you know, once I got to high school or middle school and then high school, once again, I never really discussed it with like any of my friends A because it's high school and you don't want to seem different. Mm-hmm. Um, they're just trying to fit in. You're trying to be cool or whatever it is that you're trying to do in high school. So it wasn't something I wanted to talk about, but I experienced a lot of anxiety in, in high school. It's a, it's a really tricky, tricky time, um, of a kid's life. I, you know, I'm sure you probably <laughs> have some interesting memories of high school too. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah. I mean, you're trying to figure out in a way who you are. So there's a lot of anxiety that can definitely come, you know, during that period of time. So Mm-hmm. Yeah, you don't feel like secure as like in yourself as a person in order to build relationships and then not yeah. take anything personally because you know in high school everything's about you. So everything's about you, and in high school in there's bubble. a lot of yeah, your bubble and people judge you really, really hard. I mean, people oh, yeah. people judge you as an adult, but judgment's like a whole other level in high school, right? Like you really take that and internalize it, then right? So yeah, and like with puberty and everything, you don't really have the mechanisms to realize that when people are doing that, it's about them. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Whereas like adults, you're just like, screw you, man. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. I'm going to do me. (laughs) Yes. I'm going to do me. Exactly. So yeah, those years were interesting and it wasn't really until university. I'm trying to think what year it might've been third year, but it also could have been fourth year all the way into there. Obviously university was probably when I had some of the worst anxiety, just because you're in university, you're living on no sleep. I was eating terribly. Um, You know, I'm trying to manage friend relationships, boyfriend relationships, midterms, exams, you know, social life, uh, work as well on top of it. So um, I was doing really everything possible to create anxiety in my system at that point, right? I wasn't doing anything to help myself. I still hadn't, you know, really accepted that I had anxiety in a way, right? It was kind of just there, but it wasn't really a thing to me. Um, Which so, is so hard to go through your whole life, yeah. Maya, like that. That's insane. It is. It is. Now that I look back, I'm like, Jesus. <laughs> but it's also, it's like when we were growing up, it wasn't as talked about. Like, oh, exactly. And then, I mean, worse for our parents. Like it's oh not something God, that yeah. you would just, people would just be like, oh, she's 
she's just acting out. She's just yeah. whatever. Like they didn't think anything of like how it was being internalized inside. Oh, for sure. I mean, if you go back, obviously much further back with our parents, if you were to almost act kind of strange or start talking about feelings like that, a lot of times they would actually send you away and they would institutionalize you very easily. Mm -hmm. That was a very common thing to happen. They didn't really actually ask a lot of questions or understand or really want to talk about it. So that was, you know, our parents' generations and before were the generations of like not really talking about feelings or communicating, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Which I think maybe is hard for us as well because we're the millennials and we're the kids of like the baby boomers and gen, I don't know if they're a bit younger, gen Y or gen X. Gen X. Something like that. Yeah, something around (laughs) there. And um, yeah, we weren't really necessarily like maybe, I mean, some of us for sure, but some of us weren't really taught necessarily how to communicate in that way, to communicate our feelings. And I see it with a lot of, you know, other friends around me. It's really interesting. And you obviously take so much from childhood, right? All of your beliefs and everything almost come from day one, which is really crazy. So um, going back to sort of university and now we're just dis- discussing like talking about it and it being talked about, you know, in the news and um, on social media and everywhere. So in third year, I'm pretty sure it was third year, I took a course. This is how everything started to come out. Basically, I took a course on uh, it was called the History of Madness at Ryerson. It was an elective course. Um, it was amazing. It was really interesting. This is also around the time when the Bell Let's Talk campaign first started mm. um, and came on the scene. So finally, things were starting to open up. The stigma, they're trying to work to, to push away the stigma around mental illness and mental health. So this course was actually run by two professors and both of them um, had suffered from mental illness throughout their life. Both of them had been institutionalized. Um, both of them had been uh, all different types of medications, had been put you know, through all different kinds of testing, testing that you would think sounds crazy. Um, they, had, they had been through it all. So um, then they were both able to obviously you know, work through it. And obviously they were still healing in different ways, but they figured out ways that worked for them. And then they realized that they needed to help to work, to start working to end this stigma because they had some really terrifying experiences when it came to to mental health and losing family and all that kind of stuff. So they really inspired me. And that was like a huge, huge turning point for me to start possibly opening up a little bit about anxiety and um, also depression as well, because that's hit me at certain points too. Um, Mm -hmm. So, I mean, from that day, I didn't start, you know, talk, I didn't start spreading the word about it. Of course not. It takes a lot to you know, gain that um, confidence, I guess you could say, and, and feel comfortable even to start talking about it. So for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So I, it started to come out with a few select friends, more or less. It still wasn't necessarily something I was talking about with my family. Um, I just seemed more comfortable to talk about it with certain friends that, you know, I was close with and that weren't going to judge in any way as well. So that's kind of how it began. And, um, And then from there, you know, here we are today. And I went through obviously many different things in the last couple of years that have, you know, brought out really anxious times and depression as well. And um, losing my father in Mm -hmm. 2016 was a big one. Mm -hmm. Um, And I would say it wasn't really until 2016 after he passed that I actually had that, you could almost say rock bottom. Like that's kind of when I actually hit that state. and that I really yeah. was like, I need, I'm ready. A, I'm ready to start healing um, and I'm committed to it. 
Because before I was like thinking about it, but I hadn't actually committed to it. And I don't think I was ready for that actual healing process. But I knew that I was ready at that time. And that's kind of how we've gotten to today. For sure. And I obviously rock bottom suck and I've, you know, gone through one this year too. So Mm -hmm. I always get so fascinated when people hit rock bottom because it's something so beautiful because you can now rebuild yourself in the way that you want to. Yeah. Um, So what steps did you take when it came to healing? If you don't mind me asking. Yeah, of course. No, for sure. Um, A lot of steps. (laughs) It's not... (laughs) I'll tell you this, it's not going to be some easy, pretty, fluffy, Instagrammable, we'll say, process. Um, it's oh, I love that you said that. There you go. You can't put that shit on Instagram. That's taboo, right? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> it's going to be messy. Like healing is hard and it's messy. Um, it's, not, it's not at all easy. It takes a lot of work. There's going to be a lot of challenges and you're going to have a lot of up and down days, 100%. Um, it's not all rainbows and butterflies, right? It's really, really not. So with the steps, I mean, I think the first one really, uh, you know, was obviously committing and realizing that I was ready to heal. So I'll sort of share my exact moment because I know that exact moment <laughs> of when everything like the floodgates opened and it was like, holy shit, I'm ready to heal. I'm going to be okay. Let's start this process. I had booked um, a massage uh, appointment. Um, Actually, you had the same massage therapist too with Rachel. Um, (laughs) She's the best. Yeah, she's the best. So anyways, this massage therapist though, she's an RMT, but she's also a Reiki practitioner. Mm -hmm. So if those of you aren't familiar with Reiki, they work with basically the energies of the body. There's different, um, basically in in short, there's different energy locations throughout your body. And they're able to move these energies in different ways and help you um, open and close different blocks that happen in your body. And those can attribute to different feelings and different ailments that are going on your body. So anyway, she's got already these magical hands that are great for helping to massage and take out knots, but she's also got, you know, this knowledge and this, I'm going to say power, why not? Um, (laughs) To move energy through your body. So, you know, I hadn't met her before. I walked in. Got on the got on the table as you do, and um, I feel like as soon as I was in there, she like sensed something as she would, and then but it wasn't really until she like literally touched me and she was like, mm, "Okay," and she asked me like, "Is there some stuff going on in your life?" I was like, initially I wasn't gonna open up because I'm like, "Who is this person?" <laughs> so, no way, exactly. So she just like she just touched you. Yeah, she just touched me, and she knew because I obviously had like my energy for sure, but I was also so tense at this time. Like everything was like tense in my body to another level. Um, Cause I hadn't released yeah. anything yet. Right. All of the mm-hmm. tension and the stress and the anxieties from more in particular that, that last year for sure. It, it was all still sitting in my body. Right. So, so first my answer was, Oh, you know, I've been working 14 hour shifts doing event work and this and that. That was of course what I thought was had to be the answer. And she was like, mm, no, are you sure there's not something else that's happened in the last while? And then sort of like worked on like one area of my neck a little bit. And it was like, just her asking that question. I was like, oh, she fucking knows. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Somehow she knows. So that was, I know like it's, it's really crazy. And I did too. And at that moment, like I literally just started bawling Felicia, like, on the massage table, I just started crying everywhere. I couldn't stop. Like it was like everything 
that I've been holding in was coming out. And I told her, you know, what had happened and everything. And she was, A, she was obviously amazing and very understanding, very empathetic, not judging. And uh, she was able to guide me and, you know, give me the massage I needed and give me some tips from there as well. But once I left that table, I, it was like, everything like had just been released. She, it was like she had given me permission in a way that I needed to actually start healing. Mm-hmm. Um, like you don't have to be this super strong person exactly. to hold it in all the time. You can yeah, let that it go. was it. And I had been, especially with the time of my dad being ill with cancer and then up until him, you know, going into palliative care and then him passing away, I, I had been sort of that person that needed to stay strong, sort of also keep the family together and keep mm-hmm. things going. I had sort of taken on that role. I always sort of have, which is why I've also had a lot of anxiety growing up too. But um, so it, uh, where was I going with that? <laughs> what I was trying to say was- The healing process. Yeah, it just, um, <laughs> things were able, I don't even know where I was going with that. Oh boy, this is what happens. You start your story and you start <laughs> going in circles. Oh boy. Um that's okay. But anyways, yeah. So, you know, I was just able to let go of all of that control and, and, and not be that person that needed to hold everything together. And I was okay to let it go. And so it was like, after that moment, I stepped out of that clinic and I just knew that I needed to start essentially being selfish. I'm going to use that word. Um, I had to take care of myself finally. And I kind of had to actually make more things about me at that time instead of everyone else. Um, also using the term people pleaser as well. Like I was a huge mm-hmm. people pleaser. I, I think you've talked a lot about that too, Felicia, yourself um, on your podcast before, but it's uh, it's really toxic and it can really mess with you and create a lot of anxiety and within your body and hold you back from a lot of things as well. So um I knew that I had to take that time for myself. So from there, after I had that, that realization, that moment, right? It's like that moment of truth, kind of, I think is the term sometimes they use. <laughs> um, <laughs> everything comes to fruition. But uh, from there, I really just started to initially take things slow. So really focus on my self-care. That was huge. Um, and actually like committing to self-care. So, you know, getting a yoga membership was really big for me. Um, just doing things at home, like journaling, you know, getting the books that I needed. Sometimes it literally was just sitting and watching Netflix. Honestly, sometimes that's just what I needed. Um, if I felt tired, because my adrenals are very shot at this time too. So if I felt tired, it was okay to take a nap at 2 p.m. in the afternoon. That yeah. was cool. I had to do it because my body needed that rest so badly. Mm-hmm. Um, so Good that kind you. of, thank you. So that kind of sort of level of self-care, those kind of things for sure. It wasn't rushing my body in any way. Um, it was just taking things very slow and being very kind to myself. So um, I've talked about it before as well, but uh, you know, with self-care obviously comes, you know, the self love factor as well. And, um, during that time I kind of had to reassess love and like, did I actually love myself? And I asked the question and I can, you know, send this out to all the listeners as well. A really question, good question you can ask. It's a hard question. I think it was really hard for me at the time, but, um, you know, when you're in the process of healing or wanting to heal or ready to heal, you kind of need to first ask yourself this, this really gets you to the piece of like, am I committed? Is you know, 
do I truly love myself? Like, can I say that I love everything about me? I love every single piece about me, every flaw, every insecurity, you know, every beauty, every experience and story that makes me, do I love that? And ask yourself that. For me, I'll share that with you. My answer was no. And it was so, so hard to hear myself say that out loud. It was, Mm -hmm. it felt, it just felt wrong at the moment. Like it was, it was sad, right? To hear that. Like I didn't feel that love towards myself. And when you don't feel that love, that actual true love to yourself, that's one of the reasons why you can't always heal or commit yourself to making changes in your life as well, right? Because you're not totally valuing who you are and respecting yourself in certain ways. So that was a really big piece and a really big step I had to take was, you know, moving towards focusing a shit ton on the the self-love and self-care area to really boost that up um, so that I could move even more forward, obviously, with my healing journey and get myself into a better place. Because without really kind of focusing on that and those two sort of pieces, you kind of can't move forward in the other directions as well. So you kind of need to start with those. So it's starting basic at the end of the day. Um, And those are sort of the first steps I took. And then from there, it was diet, obviously. And I think you wanted me to talk a bit about like anxiety and food as well, didn't you? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. If you can. Yeah, I definitely can. (laughs) So diet was huge um, as well Mm -hmm. for my healing journey. And with all of the anxiety and the depression and and stress management and stress as well, um, my gut was a complete mess. Um, Obviously, my nerves were shot. So diet was going to be a necessity in terms of healing certain things on the inside as well, and even the outside too. Um, So I'll give you guys a couple things. If you're someone that is, you know, feels anxious a lot and you're sort of looking for some tips um, on things you can do, then you can definitely look at your diet as well. So a few sort of key foods um, that you would definitely want to be consuming. Um, The first one I'll start with, and it's easy to find, So are your healthy fats, your good fats, your omegas. The reason why we're looking at things like healthy fats, so just an example is like an avocado is a really amazing fat for your body. It also tastes delicious. Mm -hmm. Um, (laughs) When people say they don't like avocado, I'm like, you're crazy. Oh yeah, You are the crazy one. Like, what do you mean you don't like guacamole? (laughs) Like, have you been to Mexico? Um, (laughs) but, But anyways, so... Yes. So going back to the good fats, so avocado is an example, but the reason why our bodies need these good fats, because if you think about our brain, for instance, our brain is made up of fat, (laughs) essentially fat and nerves. And our nerves throughout our body are also covered with fat, right? So our nervous system so desperately needs you to be consuming good fats to keep these areas essentially padded and healthy and and covered with fat. Obviously we, you know, there's certain types of fats you don't want to be consuming, which I can give some examples, but when we're looking at good fats, like avocado, avocado oil as well, coconut oil, coconut in general. um, And then you have like your uh, olive oils, your other sort of nut and seeds as well. Hemp seeds are fantastic. And then you can also move towards your, um, your fish as well. So wild caught fish like salmon, they're very high in omegas. Those are all a source of really good fats. So when you are um, in the state of feeling very anxious or dealing with chronic anxiety or even um, depression, things like that, you really do need to spend some time boosting up your good fat. So it's really easy to sort of incorporate little bits, at least in each of your meals. Um, So if you're a smoothie person, 
when you make your smoothie in the morning, don't just throw some protein powder and some fruit uh, in a blender or in a blender bottle. You're going to want to spend a little bit more time thinking about sort of the ingredient list. That's going to be huge. So you can add a bit of avocado in there. You can add some hemp seeds, you know, some nut seed milk. Those are all a good fat source, chia seeds, flax seeds. Um, you're not going to add in some salmon and blend that up because that's disgusting. Um, <laughs> sorry that I even like put that out there. That's disgusting. Um, <laughs> what about like spinach and stuff? Yeah. Like, like those, a green. Yeah. Greens are still great. They're not a, they're not a fat, obviously, but yeah, add all of that in there. Um, anything you want, but I would still say, obviously always just make sure you're getting those fats in there too. You know, if you're having more than one smoothie a day, then obviously you don't need to you know, put an avocado every time you have it. But especially if you're doing a breakfast smoothie, um, I highly suggest getting in good fats into that smoothie, really loading it up. Um, also because it's going to um, help to keep your blood sugar uh, balanced as well. So um, I'll touch on that quickly too. With anxiety, um, when you have unstable blood sugar and you're kind of going on like an up and down roller coaster, that can really be something that can actually make you anxious as well. Um, that was a big one for me. Oh my goodness. Um, I didn't even realize that was it, but that was a big one. I would, because I was eating kind of all over the place at one time and I wasn't eating the right foods. My blood sugar was on a roller coaster. So I'd wake up a lot of times in the morning already anxious because my blood sugar was so off and like going on and off. And then I would have a smoothie maybe or something, but it wouldn't be properly balanced. It wouldn't have like enough fat or whatever. And I would just get even more anxious because now my blood sugar would be spiking again mm -hmm. and then I'd be dropping again. So um, getting in those good fats, but then just a reminder to be sort of paying closer attention to managing your blood sugar levels. So the fat helps with that, eating and choosing lower glycemic uh, fruits, like berries are wonderful. Then you can add in your spinach, your greens, you know, almond butters, peanut butter, natural peanut butter, um, you name it, things like that are fantastic to add in. Um, so that's an example of what you can do to get some of those good fats in and some of those foods. Um, some other great foods to obviously eat. So, you know, I mentioned your gut health as well. So we now know that there's this mind-gut connection, basically. Mm -hmm. um, so we really need to be paying close attention to the health of our gut anyone does in general. But of course, if you're already someone that's experiencing, um, you know, we'll call these sort of, uh, I was going to say symptoms, but they're not really symptoms. If you're experiencing anxiety or depression or any sort of mental illness, for sure, you're going to want to narrow in on that gut area as well. Um, so there are things you can do to help sort of promote the health of your gut um, on a daily basis. You can consume fermented foods. So fermented foods are rich in probiotics, which your gut needs. It's healthy, good bacteria. And we need that to help keep a healthy um, gut microbiome, as they call it. So there's a, a good divide of, you know, good bacteria in there and not so good bacteria, et cetera. So um, some examples of fermented foods that have those probiotics you have things like a, a kefir. So you can do a dairy-free kefir. It's usually made from coconut. You can? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. I was like, oh, I can't have that because it's got so much dairy in it. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, you can. So you can do, there's two options. So there's the dairy, there are dairy-free ones. They're made from coconut yes. instead of um, like a milk, basically. Mm -hmm. So yeah, if you can't tolerate dairy, then just, uh, go to your health food store and you should be able to find um, a dairy-free coconut kefir. Um, and it's loaded with probiotics. It's amazing. It's also super thick too, which is nice. It's kind of like more of like a Greek yogurt. 
level of thickness, I would say. (laughs) Um, So would you just like eat it like a yogurt? I eat it like a yogurt. I even sometimes add it into my smoothie too. Blend it up. Yeah. So you can kind of do whatever you like. Oh, add on like oatmeal too, if you want as well. It'll kind of melt, but it'll be delicious. So, Um, but because it's fermented, it will have almost like that, you know, that kind of yogurty, like sour, like flavor to it still. It'll still have that as well a little bit. So it really does mimic a yogurt in that sense, which is kind of cool. So you could do the dairy-free one as we were just talking about, or you can also do um, just a regular kefir, which is dairy-based. So kind of depends. I usually suggest people staying more towards the dairy-free if they're, you know, having gut issues and certain things, but um, I'll let you guys sort of make that choice as well. Um, So we have your kefir. We have things like kimchi, sauerkraut are fantastic um, fermented foods. I know some of them are spicy, but if you like them, eat them, have little bits with some of your meals. Um, Great option. Then there's also things like tempeh, which is a soy product, but it's a fermented soy product. So it does have probiotics. Um, If you are vegan or vegetarian, that might be something you do already eat. Um, Let's see what else. Then you also do want your prebiotics though. So there's probiotics and prebiotics. Prebiotics you can get from obviously a supplement, but also from Mm -hmm. things like garlic and onions too. Um, So so you probably already maybe get them, but just depends what your body's doing with it. Um, And then, you know, some other examples obviously is, um, you know, maybe taking a probiotic supplement um, daily or a couple times a month or kind of get into the flow of it because that at least helps to get those good bacteria back in your gut as well. Um, And this is something, you know, if it's something you're looking into like a specific protocol, you can work with, you know, and, uh, someone like myself or a different type of holistic practitioner as well to be able to give you those specific amounts um, to take as well. So um, fermented foods are awesome. And then as well from there, um, things that you for sure sort of want to take out of your diet just because they cause inflammation. Um, they might be triggers, for instance, because I think these are big to address because um, we might not realize what they're kind of doing to us on a daily basis. So things that cause inflammation in your body. So we're talking about processed foods, um, sugar, uh, poor oils, or bad fats. So with that being said, we have in terms of like bad fats and poor oils, things like vegetable oil, canola oil, soy, uh, soy oil, corn oil, things like that. Those are all oils that unfortunately they, they're cheap. Yes, but they're super processed, super refined, synthetic. They cause inflammation in the body. So I know. I do stay away from all those oils, but in order for me to make my popcorn the way that I love it, I have to have vegetable oil, which is only like two times a week. It's not like I'm overdoing it. And I was very upset when I found out that my stepmom was making the popcorn with vegetable oil, but I was like, you know what? I'm healthy, you know, 90% of the time. (laughs) Well, have you, um, have you tried other coconut oil or ghee for your popcorn? No, it's like when you have to put it in like in the heated, I haven't tried anything else because I don't want to like ruin the popcorn maker. Oh, it's a popcorn sense. maker. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think you could probably use avocado oil. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's be already, it's already melted. Like it's already a liquid. Mm, good um, point. It won't ruin it. It has the same consistency. I think that would be a better swap for you. And it will taste good by the way. So, <laughs> okay. I can try that. I'm going to make popcorn like tonight or tomorrow night and yes. use avocado. And then Do if it, it Maya, if it breaks my popcorn machine, though, well, you owe me a popcorn machine. Well, then I'll show you. <laughs> then I will show you how to make stovetop popcorn. Yeah, <laughs> that's what I do. It's so easy because I don't have the space, it is space easy. for 
popcorn maker anymore in this small condo. So, um, but yeah, anyway, so yeah. So generally we would like to avoid those oils. Obviously you go out and you dine too. It's like impossible to completely avoid them, but at home, I suggest to obviously keep those out of your cupboards. Um, then sugar, God, it's Christmas. We all like Christmas holidays. We all love our sugar and our treats. But if you're someone that's consistently, you know, having these issues and really in general, we all do need to reduce our sugar intake, but it's really important probably during this time, if you really want to start healing and seeing, you know, changes in how you feel, it's best to really reduce that. It doesn't mean you're not having anything sweet just means you might be switching sort of and swapping to better options. So like you're avoiding the refined white sugars and maybe you're using a coconut sugar, uh, which is natural and has a low glycemic impact. So it doesn't spike your blood sugar levels. Um, Maybe you're using a bit of a stevia or something to sweeten as well, which is not a sugar at all. It's just a natural sweetener from a leaf. So there's some other options and obviously eating some fruit and berries and stuff like that too. You can get your you're like sweet fix into. So it's making a bit of changes. Um, and then processed foods. I mean, we all know processed foods. They're your quick fix foods. They're ready available from the store. Maybe they're frozen. Maybe they're from, you know, McDonald's, whatever. Those are, you know, they're inf- inflammation causing foods in your body. And when your body is in a state of inflammation, that's really when disease can start to become something in your body. And inflammation really is the root to disease, as they would say. So um, it's really important to do those things um, to reduce the inflammation so that we can obviously try and avoid having more issues as well. Um, Because we don't want them, right? We want to live a long, healthy life. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So um, those ones. And then the main triggers, which I'm going to mention, and I know that a lot of you probably love the first one that I'm going to mention. So do I. But at certain times, this might be something you have to like do cold turkey for a bit to see if you notice any changes. So caffeine, most specifically coffee. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I love coffee, guys. Like I have always been a coffee drinker, but for me, it used to be like five cups a day in university. You know, it was like out of control. Um, but now, I mean, when I was really in that sort of, you know, middle point of having to heal, I had to cut it out cold turkey because it was a huge trigger for me. Really just one sip of, you know, espresso or coffee would set me off into an anxiety attack um, because it's, it's, it's caffeine, right? It elevates you in a way. It boosts your energy and then, it, and then you drop, right? So unfortunately, yeah. it, is an, it is an anxiety causer. Um, so yeah, I learned that one pretty quick because I don't yeah. drink coffee, yep. but sometimes when I'm on set, Yes. I'll have to, you oh, know, sure. it's such long days. So it's like, you'll have like that three o'clock crash. Yep. Um, so I would just, I th- it was during my breakup and I was like, oh my God, I'm getting so anxious. And I don't know why, cause today's uh, a good day. And like, I don't understand what's happening. And then, um, I, I, I drank coffee for like a week straight and then I cut it out and I'm, I made that connection pretty quick. Mm. Cause I was just like, it's the coffee for sure. Yep. There you go. Yeah. And I know, and I know it's a hard one because a lot of us have been having it for a chunk of our life, like every morning. Right. So I know it's not easy. And I would also recommend to, if you're like someone that's lives off sort of your coffee every day, like it's not an easy process, just go cold Turkey. You're probably going to have almost withdrawal from it. Right. So -hmm. it's easier if you can step down to something else. So I would usually suggest going to like a matcha instead, which I know you do. You like your matcha. Mm -hmm. Um, That would be a better option. Matcha still has caffeine, which you're 
like I said, you're not going to want to go completely cold turkey because you're probably going to feel really shitty and crazy. Um, <laughs> but um, <laughs> And crazy. And crazy, yes. But the difference with matcha, um, so I was going to suggest that anyways, is it's basically matcha has caffeine, but it it's um, it's slow release and you don't have that up and down, that crazy up and down that you get with the coffee or energy drink or something else caffeinated. You have like more of a steady um, inclination with it. It's kind of slowly released as you go. Um, but matcha, and just to mention, if you know what matcha is, it's a, green, it's a powdered green tea leaf, essentially. Um, it's quite creamy. It's really lovely. Um, it also has contains L-theanine, which is actually amazing for anxiety and calming your body. So it kind of all makes up for it. So I would say matcha is a great place to go if you're starting to look to reduce the coffee, but obviously not go cold turkey immediately. Um, you can try that and see how that you know works with your body. And I will mention that these are all great tips, but everyone's body is also different. So just be you know mindful of that and sort of you know tune into what's going on when you try different things and um, kind of maybe make note of how you feel at certain times of the day or after you consume something as well, um, mm-hmm. just because everyone's different, right? So it's hard to know. But um, yeah, so caffeine and then obviously sugar and alcohol are other triggers too that you want to be mindful of. So I had to go cold turkey on the, the alcohol and drinking for a while just because I noticed almost every time I would drink, I would get anxious. And then if I say drink, you know, quite a bit one night on the Sunday or something, um, I would be like so anxious. I would have horrible anxiety the next day, the whole day. Um, and I would probably feel rather depressed as well. We know alcohol is a depressant. So, um, struggle is real, man. I went on a four day bender this weekend and (laughs) it was accidental. Mm -hmm. And my mom legit, she knows how I get. So she called me on Monday night and she's like, how are you? And I'm just like, so sad. I'm so sad. She's like, this is why you can't do this, Felicia. Yes. <laughs> just like, I'm so, it was accidental. I was trying to keep up. <laughs> no, I know. And it's a hard time of the year too with all these things because there's all these holiday parties and things going on. And it's just like that time where you want to celebrate and that's fine. Um, but it's kind of like knowing, you know, what what's okay and what's not okay for you right now. And with all these things too, like, it doesn't mean this is like forever, you know, not having a coffee or whatever. It just, you might need it for a certain time um, to get through a, you know, a hump basically Mm -hmm. Um, and to be able to work through certain things. And as you start to heal, you know, also your insides, your body can tolerate other things and be able to work through other things. So um, I don't want everyone to be like, I can never have a coffee again. What do you mean? No, it doesn't mean it's going to be that way. But you also might realize that you actually don't give that much of a shit about coffee after you kind of wean yourself off it. And maybe you don't even go back to it. I know quite a few people that that's happened with. So you never know. It depends on who you are, but <laughs> mm-hmm, for sure, um, as well. So um, those are a couple of things to sort of pay close attention to um, in terms of like foods that you can incorporate and use. And then there's a lot of more specialized sort of like superfoods and things that you can incorporate into your diet as well. And I definitely recommend a lot of them. Um, so I'll give a couple examples. Um, a big sort of category is the category of adaptogens. Um, there's the brand, which I know you're familiar with, Felicia for Sigmatic. Mm-hmm. They make medicinal mushroom elixirs. They're fantastic. Um, especially a couple in particular for anxiety, for stress management, for calming your body. Um, so a particular, oh, I forgot. I should go back and tell you guys what an adaptogen is because they're probably like, what is she talking about? Yeah. Um, before I get all 
cuckoo about mushrooms. I love my mushrooms. Um, <laughs> I also love mushrooms. Right? So good. Um, sort of adapt the gym. I mean, the first word, the first part of this word adapt kind of leads you into its meaning, but basically an adaptogen helps you to adapt to your current circumstances. Um, you know, your current way of life, things that are going on in your life. So it may help you adapt better to a stressful situation, um, help you sort of heal, um, help you to work better through stress, things like that. They're able to adapt to whatever's going on. It's really quite amazing. It's really quite cool that um, items and plants and things from nature can actually do this inside of our body. So, Mm -hmm. and there's so many more that we're learning about now, um, especially when they come towards like different treatments for things. So, Going back now to the mushrooms. So mushrooms are adaptogens, not necessarily, yes, like all mushrooms in a way are, but they're not, you know, a cremini mushroom or a white mushroom uh, doesn't have, you know, the potency as these medicinal medicinal mushrooms uh, would. So obviously don't go like trying to eat like 50 portobello mushrooms or anything today. (laughs) Um, Go easy. You can just have one small packet of these mushrooms. So um the one I would recommend in particular, and you can easily find it from either Four Sigmatic or um, you could get it from most of the health food stores. It's the Rishi mushroom. Mm-hmm. Um, it's spelled R-E-I-S-H-I. So like I said, it's fantastic for helping to manage anxiety, stress, calming the body. Um, you can have it really any time of the day. It's not going to make you necessarily pass out or anything. It's just going to help you to chill um, essentially. But it is also a great one to have, you know, maybe closer to bed, especially if you feel like you are kind of worked up. Um, then I would recommend having that in the evening as well. So the good thing though about the Four Sigmatic ones is they're in sort of like a pre-mixed elixir for you with some other superfoods. So you can just add it to like a hot water if you want, or you could toss it in a smoothie or um, for the reishi products, they uh, this is my personal favorite. They have a reishi hot cacao or like a hot cocoa. It's amazing. So if you're someone that likes chocolate and hot chocolate, then this is like made for you. Um, <laughs> so it's got the reishi in it. It's got real raw cacao. Um, so there's magnesium in that, which is great for helping you to relax as well. And then it has just a little bit of coconut sugar, maybe a bit of coconut milk or something in there too, to like whip it up. Um, but fantastic. It's ready for you and it's going to help calm your body. So that's an amazing one I would suggest um, is looking into um, your medicinal mushrooms, specifically reishi. Um, another adaptogen that you can look out for is Tulsi. T-U-L-S-I comes from a plant as well. You may have also heard its other name, holy basil, has two names. Um, You can commonly find it in the tea section of your health food store or even some of your regular uh, grocery stores will have it. Um, You just drink it like a tea? Yeah, just like a tea. It's just, it's always, it's in tea bags now for the most part, like a loose leaf. And yeah, just steep it. There's even some really great blends out there where they've added other things like elderberry or something. Um, so it's like a bit more flavorful, but I actually, I mean, I'm not that picky. Like I'm pretty used to eating like weird herbs and stuff, but um, I will have just plain Tulsi tea a lot. Maybe I'll add like a squeeze of fresh lemon or something. It's delicious. I find it very refreshing. Um, so mm-hmm. same kind of thing. It's an adaptogen. So it helps you once again to calm your body, to relax. Uh, I find Tulsi's just an amazing tea to have in your part of your evening routine or evening regimen to sort of let things go, release and get ready for bed. So um, I definitely recommend checking out those two just because they're really easy to find. Um, and one last one I'll mention is maca powder. I think you use maca powder sometimes. Felicia, yeah, sometimes I'll throw it in my, um, I was, yeah. yeah. 
went to a naturopath and she had told me to cut back on it just because I think it was heavy on estrogen or is it testosterone? Um, It can, it can technically affect your thyroid. So if you're someone that maybe already has uh, a bit of a thyroid condition or an unbalance, it can be a bit tricky with that, but that's what it was. Yeah. Yeah. I, my thyroid was not something about it. Not functioning. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So yeah, that's (laughs) the one thing. Yeah. That's the one thing. Cut that out. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. So one of those things, again, to monitor and you can ask your other healthcare practitioners if it's something to be good, but it is easy to find. It's for root. Um, it's a powder. You can, it has like sort of a caramelly-ish butterscotchy flavor to it almost or smell. Um, but it is really great, again, for calming the body. But it also at the same time, it gives you a natural boost of energy that doesn't give you anxiety as well. So it could be something that would be a good option to add a little bit. Start really small. So like a quarter of a teaspoon anyways, you don't want to be having you know a lot of it. Just start really small and see how it makes your body feel. Mix it into a smoothie and in the morning or something, it'll give you a bit of a natural boost of energy as well. So that might help, especially if you're someone that is weaning yourself off of a coffee um, or caffeine in general, that would be a good option. Um, mm-hmm. That's a good idea. So that's a good one. Yeah. So those are three of those adaptogens that are um, really helpful. And then... Um, one last superfood I'll mention as well is just cacao, raw cacao in particular. Um, it's high in magnesium and iron and magnesium it does really calm the body and the muscles. So it can be really helpful for, um, someone that has anxiety and it's like a natural source. It's not a supplement either. So, um, you can add some into your smoothies, make your own hot, you know, cocoa. Um, just as a few examples, it's great to keep in your in your cupboard as an option if you feel like you need it. Plus it tastes freaking delicious. So <laughs> it does taste so good. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And it's a heart opener. Yes. Yes, it is. It's a heart opener. Yes, it is for the chakras, <laughs> which is fantastic. So that's sort of, you know, there's a lot more we can talk about diet, but that's sort of like a Cole's notes, a couple things that you could you know, focus in on and add into your diet or omit from your diet. We obviously spoke about a few things. Um, is there anything you want me to touch on in there? Any questions about any of that stuff or? Not so much the food base. It all makes sense. Like honestly, I'm going to probably listen to this over and over again just to get it. It's like, this is uh, the whole time you're talking. I'm like, as if this is free content. Like, I feel like you have to pay good money to get this kind of stuff. And you do. You have to obviously pay Maya to say this stuff regularly and the health coaching (laughs) sessions are for. Yes. The fact that it's so cool that people just come on podcasts and like just will talk about that kind of stuff because it's really neat. I love it. To just have it at your fingertips. Exactly. Um, Let's talk about spirituality because I know that you're into that and I'm into it too. So what does that look like when you... um, you know, when someone comes to you about food and stuff like that, do you incorporate spirituality as well? Like yeah, for sure. as a way to make them feel better? In a way. So, I mean, it's still more of a newer, that area is more newer for me, I would say as well. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I don't practice any particular religion. I never have. I never grew up um, in a religious family of any sort. But so spirituality was something I almost kind of like avoided because I thought it just meant like, you know, um, looking up to God or, you know, being a Christian or being, you know, uh, Muslim or Buddhist or whatever it may be, right? I always assume that's all it was, but there's a bit more to spirituality. It can mean other things, obviously. And there's like different, we, I mean, basically for me, I, I look up more to like the universe. Like there's a higher power out there, but I don't know like specifically, like if it's a person, you know, or a, or a God or right not um, in that sense. Right. So 
Yeah, for with sure. that being said, I'm the same way. Yeah, exactly. I'm like trying to explain it. And it's like feels difficult, but <laughs> I'm like, what does it mean exactly? Um, <laughs> but anyway, so with that, for sure, it's something we would look at and we'd like to touch on. And um, and maybe some people, you know, that come see me do, you know, practice a particular religion. And I certainly would, you know, probably push them to still work through that unless it's something that maybe is impact them in a, in a strange way uh, or it's holding them back in certain ways. But um, I think I really, you know, if people are, are into spirituality in certain ways, then they don't need to give up that practice and they can use it for sure, especially when it comes to like universe and just letting go and trusting and um, sort of tapping into that. Um, it's definitely a part of sort of what we might touch on. It's not like, you know, we don't sit there and talk a ton about it unless it's needed, right? Uh, if it kind of comes up in our in our coaching, that's something we would definitely dive more into. But um, I don't always tell someone like, oh, you need to go find a particular spiritual practice. I would be, I would really just like someone to find practice in general. So maybe it is yoga or meditation. And I mean, that kind of is in the spiritual realm in a way, I guess, um, in that sense. So those are the kind of practices and daily, you know, gratitude and stuff that I would uh, really like people to at least tap into initially because mm-hmm. those can like make so many changes in your life. Right. Uh, which I know you would agree with that as well. So that's kind of how I go about it. Um, like I said, it's still kind of like a new area for me too. And I'm really sort of learning more about myself as I dive a little bit deeper. Um, yeah. And like, I'm reading more books as well to like learn more about it. I mean, I love Gabrielle Bernstein. She's obviously a spirit junkie as she calls herself. Um, <laughs> so yeah. she's really kind of sparked my interest more into that kind of, um, stuff. So I sort of listened a lot more to what she says and, um, that's kind of where a lot of my learnings have come from when it does come to like spirituality and and certain practices and whatnot as well. So, um, I don't really, I mean, I do daily gratitude and I give thanks. I don't necessarily pray, uh, in particular as well, but if you are someone that prays then for sure, something to keep going as well. And that's a part of your practice, then, you know, keep it a part of your practice too. I just think it's also like being open as well to Mm -hmm. new things that could potentially help you. Um, Yeah, I agree. I think so. I mean, I've always been a fan of like Buddhism and aspects of that too and that kind of stuff. So I feel like I take little pieces from sort of each different religions, you know, mesh Mm -hmm. them together. (laughs) For sure. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Maya, I'm so happy that you're on this podcast. Woo! Me too. Me too. (laughs) It's only taken us all week to get here. I know. (laughs) And then, and then lots of tech issues, but. Lots of tech issues. I know that's (laughs) behind the scenes stuff. Everyone. Tech is no joke. It's so hard. Uh, yeah, it definitely is. It definitely is. <laughs> well, I hope I didn't, um, you know, stop you from your commitments too much today with all oh, our tech stuff. But I really appreciate you being on. It was just such oh. great information and it's so informative for people to hear. Oh, I'm so happy that you had me on your podcast because I love your podcast. And oh, thanks. I know lots of people are really getting into it. And Obviously, we share a lot of the same values and we resonate on different topics. So it's it's an honor to be able to come here and share a little bit about, you know, my my story and um, sort of my healing journey and just share a few little tidbits on what I've been able to do. And I really hope that it can, you know, help some of you out there or maybe inspire you or maybe help you step into your healing journey, you know, whatever it is that you need. And uh, I always say too, like, I know we talked about a lot on this podcast and I gave away a lot of tidbits, but even if you only like take one little thing from today, that's still a big step. Right. And, um, that's going to help you move forward for sure. And yeah, as well. And, um, 
if you do want, uh, you know, to learn more about this anxiety and yeah, things, right? Plug, plug, plug. I forgot the workshop that we were supposed to yeah. talk about. Shit. <laughs> yes. So I did host a workshop uh, last Wednesday. So we we could go crazy. Um, it was our first online workshop. So I actually partnered with my good friend, Krista. She is a Reiki practitioner. Um, so I basically ran a workshop. It was the toolkit for anxiety and stress management. So I gave some of these tips that I shared today, but a lot more in depth um, of tools that you know I use for my healing journey, but also that I've learned in my schooling as well as by working with clients. Um, so I gave you that big toolkit. But then we also hosted two different meditations on the workshop as well, um, which was fantastic. So it was about an hour and a half. Um, it was in the evening, but we will be hosting um, another one for sure in the new year in January and then some other topics as well. So um, if you're interested in you know staying tuned and staying in touch, you can follow me on Instagram. So I'm at Be to Blossom. Um, and you can also check out my website and that's where you can find... Um, my services as well. So with that being said, my website is b2blossom.com. I'm sure Felicia can uh, tee these up in the little info section for you guys. Yep, for sure. If you get lost with what I'm saying. Um, and you'll find all my one-on-one coaching services there, group coaching as well. And um, you'll be able to reach me through there and then hopefully we can connect. Yay! Yay, awesome. Well, thank you so much. I appreciate it. And I hope you have the most amazing day. Thanks so much, Felicia. So happy to be here. Thank you. Bye. Have a good one. Bye, everybody. Thank you so much for tuning into the It's Not About You podcast this week. We're happy you popped by and we hope you feel totally broken open and expanded from this episode. If you enjoyed it, don't forget to rate and review us on iTunes. It would be so much appreciated. See you guys next week. Love you guys. Bye.